Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Well, thank you for your prayers. And um, my goodness, the last time we were in this building was the power conference and God blew the roof off. And um, it is so, there's an anticipation, even pulling up on the property here, uh, I'm just overwhelmed when I come to this place. And um, my wife said, you know, you all have treated us like family, you've taken in like family, you've prayed for us like family. And um, where are the hearts at? Are they in here? Right there. We were in prayer. Well, if you've been here any length of time, you know we're in prayer all the time. Every now and again, we have a worship service or a word, but most of the time it's just prayer. <clears throat> and we were in morning prayer. And uh, when we were living here, Pastor Daniel extended a California prayer time an hour after morning prayer. And we would stay and we'd pray for California. Anybody that felt led to go to California could come to that prayer. Nobody came. <clears throat> I said, okay, I, I, I'm not hurt. I'm a beluga whale now. I can go anywhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. And um, they would come every morning with us and declare the word of the Lord over us. And I thank you so much. And I remember one morning, uh, them prophesying over us. And in the book of John, it says, you'll receive a harvest for a crop you didn't plant. And I didn't really know, I mean, I know what it meant, but I didn't know what it meant. I just said, oh, thank you. And you know, I was, I was thankful for the word. And when I got to Antioch and my wife and I looked at what we were given, I didn't feel like we were receiving much of a harvest and there wasn't a lot of crop. I was like, this is, there was another word that doesn't sound like crop, but it was close. And you can't say that here. So sorry. California language, you get you. But I be, my wife and I begin to we begin to till the ground, to water the ground, to, to fertilize the ground, and we begin to see a harvest that isn't, it isn't normal. There's no way that we should be where we're at in three years in California. Every church in California, and I can't say every church, 90% of the churches in California are on serious decline. King's Antioch is on the rise. And I'm so thankful for all of the pastors that held their hand to the plow in Antioch that went before us that I don't know. I don't know all of the people that went there. I don't know Pastor Nathan. I don't know all the different pastors. I thank God for Pastor Phil as we celebrate his life. I'm so thankful that he was there tilling the ground. 
The Bacos were there for years with their hand to the plow, and we got there, and you are absolutely right that we received a harvest for a crop we did not plant. God blessed our lives, and we are in the middle of revival. The spirit of revival has settled on Antioch, California, and God is doing a new thing. And I'm so thankful for, for all that God does Pastor Daniel mentioned a pastor that I was raised under, Pastor Gary Brothers, whose famous quote says that your resources are in your relationships. He's probably said it here from this pulpit a couple of times. And I came here because of a relationship and God gave us a lot more relationships. And in the middle of that relationship, Jonathan Shuttlesworth was doing a revival here and it was extended another week and a young man who was addicted and afflicted responded to the altar and we had our prayer team up here praying and a man came and stood in front of me, this man right here, Tommy, and I began to pray for him and something broke over his life. Little did I know that my resources were in my relationships. And in that moment, God, as Pastor Daniel said, began to weave us together. And months later, when we showed up to Antioch, California, enrolled a camper. I said, oh, Pastor Daniel's here. <laughs> Wrong camper. I'm so proud and so thankful that Tommy has surrendered his life to God. And I'm gonna testify for a moment. I'm gonna have him testify for a little bit. Minister Kenu, if you, I have a word I want to release over this house. Um, and uh, that's a big countdown clock. So I'll be on time today, hallelujah. And uh, it'll work in Jesus' name. We just got back from Point Hope, Alaska. The most northern west place that you can go in Alaska, 150 miles north of the Arctic Circle. I never knew it existed other than what Tommy told me about it. I didn't understand what a village was until I showed up on the soil. And let me just tell you something. Uh, I, I'm not big on airplanes. I'm not big on big airplanes. I'm definitely not big on small airplanes. Yeah, thank you. My wife just called me overweight, beluga whale. And I asked Tommy before we left, he said, we have an opportunity in Point Hope. And I said, okay, what does that look like? He said, I don't know. But there's a church there that's opened the doors that said, if we want to come. And I said, well, let's pray and fast. And we began to pray and fast. And every morning we prayed, God, if it's you, open the door. God, if it's you, open the door. And God just began to open dramatic doors that nobody could ever deny. And we said, okay, let's go, let's do it. My first question was, how many, how did we get there? And he said, well, there's a couple of planes. I said, describe a couple of planes. He said, oh, they're, they're, it's all right. And I said, what's, what's, what's the smallest plane? He said, it's like a minivan with wings. I said, I'm not okay with that. A minivan should never fly. 
And uh, I must say, our first miracle going to Point Hope was me getting on that plane. I knew if I could make it there, God could do anything. My faith began to rise, and um, I'm just going to share for about five minutes a couple of testimonies that happened. I met a people, a tribe, that our first day there, you could feel the demonic oppression that was settled over a village that there was no life. There were people that were walking around like zombies. You could just feel in the air that there was something wrong. Uh, Tommy will share a little bit about his life in the village. But as we went there with his parents, Tom and Leona, and they were so gracious to us. Thank you so much for allowing us an opportunity. They opened their house there to us and they let us stay there. And as we begin to, as we begin to walk the city, we begin to fly or the city. And I, I would be here way past the, the time that we have tonight to explain what happened. But I'm going to tell you the demonic curse that was broken over that city, over that village. We went to pass out flyers. We flyered every, every house in the village got a, got a flyer from us that we were going to have church. We went door to door. I'm just telling you, if you don't know anything about Kings, know this. We may be a very large movement. We may be a very large church, but we are the most personal church you will ever find. We believe in people. We love people. We love God and we love people. We went door to door because every person matters to Jesus. And listen, somebody's salvation is on the other side of your obedience. And if you don't do it, they have an opportunity at hell. It's time for the church to rise, to do what God's called us to do, to knock on the doors, to hug a neck, to shake a hand, and let them know that there's a God that's alive and a well today. Amen. And we begin to go door to door and we went into the city there, the city hall building, little building. And as we walked in, I handed a flyer to a man and his arms were kind of just like this. And I didn't know who he was. And I said, uh, hey, sir, I said, I just want to invite you to church tonight at seven. And he said, oh, yeah, I've seen this flyer around town. I said, oh, good. I said, see you there. He said, I'll see. He didn't seem too receptive. First night he didn't come. Let me just tell you this, the average attendance of the church on a Sunday is the pastor, his wife, and Bobby. That's three. The first night, I think there was 80 people in the building. Amen. And I was looking for this man. I didn't know why, but I was looking for him. He didn't come. And in my heart, I was thinking, come on, God. There's a reason I shook that guy's hand. There's a reason that I ran into that guy. Bring him to church, God. Bring him to church. On night number two, him and his wife and his kids were sitting in about the fourth row back. And as I began to put my hand up on his head and prophesy over him and declare over him, and after church that night, he walked out, and I forget if it's Tommy or Bobby or somebody, they said, that's the mayor. I said, that's the mayor. I said, well, Amen. Sunday morning, he came back to church by himself without his family, sat on the second row. Came back again Sunday night, responded to the altar. As Tommy prayed over somebody who he grew up with, 
who's now getting broken in the presence of God. Shook his hand, went on our way. Uh, Alaska time is different than any other time in the world. <laughs> 2 a.m. sounds like a good time to hang out with friends in Alaska in the summer. And so Bobby started up the campfire at about, oh, 1 a.m. But there was a knock on the door. This man walked in carrying a, a box. It was the mayor. He said, I, I was going to do this at church, but I needed it to be more personal. With tears in his eyes, he said, I've had a hard heart. I've heard revivals come through our village before and my people get excited and then get let down. And I wasn't sure what was happening. He said, but when you introduced yourself to me that day in the office, and you told me your name was Aaron and your wife's name was Kinu. Something rose up in me. What's his title as whaler? He's the, not the captain. What is it? The, the what? The, the, the whaling commissioner of Point Hope. He's also the mayor. He said in the word kinu, it's, it's pronounced a little bit different in the native language, but it's very close to that. It means the first slush. And as the whaling commissioner, I need to understand that when that happens, it's, we have to get ready because something's going to happen. And he said, when I heard her name, you handed me that flyer and I said, you said he knew. And he said, and I knew this wasn't just going to be a normal revival. This was the first slush and something was getting ready to happen. And as he stood there with a box in his hand, I was tears in my eyes as he's speaking in his native language and going back and forth and I don't know what he's saying. I just speaking in the Holy Ghost. I feel like it's a universal language. You know, he said, and he says his, and we, we communicate like that. You know, it's good. And he hands this, this case to Tommy. And it's, I don't know. It's a, he hands him a bomb. Okay. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a whaling, it's, it's the thing that they go and harpoon and kill the whale with in whaling season. This is a, a way of life. This is everything to the whaling commissioner. Like you don't just go down to the store and buy one of these. Like these are, these are saved for the moment. You don't get to just miss four times in one day. Uh, many times you get one shot. They're $3,000. And he comes and he says, it's not about the monetary value. It's about the honor that understanding that as I give this to you, Tommy, this is a release for our people. This is the time that something new is about to happen. This is the beginning of the first. And in that living room, he looked at at Tom and Leona who had been spiritual, spiritual leaders to him and parents to him and raised him. He spent time as a young boy in their house. He said, I honor you. Today, my hard heart becomes soft. 
And I want to come back and I want my people to come back to know what a, what a revival looks like, what the presence of God feels like. And I'm telling you, when the leaders of a community begin to shift and change, when God begins to do something, it changes everything. We prayed for people with cancer. We prayed for a man who hasn't gotten out of bed in weeks, couldn't move. They said he's going to die. We had a barbecue for the whole village. They, Miss Leona donated, I don't know how many hamburgers and hot dogs we, we grilled. There was a line of people lined up to get hamburgers and hot dogs on Saturday afternoon. And after we got done praying for this man in his bed in his house who couldn't move and was just going, ah, he couldn't move. He couldn't even lift his hand. He'd lift his head and he would cough and he would gag and he had a, he had a, a vomit bag next to his bed. He was, they had said he's done, just say bye. And we anointed him with oil and we prayed over his life. And in, a, in about three hours later, his daughter came over on a four wheeler with tears in her eyes saying, my dad's out of bed. He walked into the living room. I'm telling you, God is alive, God is well, He is doing it. Depression broke. A lady came to the front, just crying and weeping. You know what? You know what's interesting? I love church, but sometimes. We're so practiced up and we know how to do church, we forget how to really experience God. And I love going to a place where they don't know how to do church. They don't, we didn't have catchers in the altar. They didn't understand that you had to do all the random things. They just would run to the front and shake and scream and holler and say, I don't know what's happening to my life right now, but something's changing. There's an overflow. And God showed me in those moments that he's positioning his presence upon the outer side of the United States of America and he's squeezing the enemy out. He's squeezing in. California is going to be saved. Listen, revival will happen. People will know there's a God if California gets saved. I'm telling you, we are seeing a change in the people in California. People want more of God. We are having altars. We don't hold back in California. I don't know what you've heard about California, but I'm telling you, we are in revival. People speaking in tongues, people getting healed, people knowing that there's a God. It is happening in California. It's happening in Alaska, and God is beginning to squeeze his presence all the way through the United States of America. I believe New York will be the next force that will be taken and God will begin to squeeze until everybody knows that he's God. The United States of America is coming back. I'm thankful. I, like I said, I could stand here all day. A lady stood. She stood like this and she wouldn't talk. I got down and I said, ma'am, I, I couldn't pronounce their names even when they told me their name. <laughs> uh, what's your name? You know, God loves you. And the prophetic began to flow in that house like I had never seen it before. Names, dates, ages. God was beginning to speak and speak and speak. And over this lady, she began to get freed and she stood like this and her hands began to shake. And she began to say, 
without anything. I was just praying and she said, I'm free. I'm free. And her hands begin to come up. I'm free. And she began to scream, I'm free. And the whole congregation began to erupt. And by the last night, there was so many people in the church. In the church, they have altars where you can come and kneel. Some of you may remember those days where you can come kneel at the altar. And in a moment, they ran out of seats. They ran out of places for people to stand. They took, they came, people came and grabbed the altars off the front row and they set them in the aisles so people could sit in the aisles. There was people in all the way out the back door. It looked like a four-wheeler convention at the church. There was a hundred four-wheelers parked all the way around the church. Families riding in on four-wheelers. I've never seen anything like it. It's a powerful move of the Holy Ghost and it's happening now. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for what God did. I want to give Tommy just a couple of minutes to come and share. And uh, I'm so thankful and proud of this mighty man of God who has came to us hurt and broken, addicted and afflicted, as Pastor Daniel would say. And God changed his life. Took him from being a heroin addict to being on staff with King's Chapel Antioch, leading our transformations ministry and revival in Point Hole. Put your hands together for Tommy Frankson. Praise God. <laughs> oh, man. Where do I start? Well, the first thing I'm going to start with, because this is what's on my heart. I'm Tommy, by the way. I have the privilege of being on staff over at King's Chapel in Antioch. And as a lot of you know, I've come a long ways. But as we left San Francisco, as we left California, for some reason, we ended up leaving out of San Francisco. We have two other options that we usually take. The other option is Oakland or it's San Jose. But for some reason, our direction kept getting pointed to San Francisco, and that's where we ended up. So I said, God, what are you saying here? We're flying out of San Francisco. We, we, even though we live over by there, we still avoid it, you know, when we can. But God, but, but God brought us there specifically for a reason. And the only thing that I could think of right now is all the people that are there are surrounded by uh, 3.2 million people there in San Francisco. And as we left San Francisco, as we got to the hustling and bustling and the busy traffic town in the city, we got out of that city, we got on the plane, and then we got to Anchorage. And then from Anchorage, we came here for a day, and then we get ready to go fly back out to Kotzebue. I worked on the slope and I traveled all over the place doing my snowmobile thing. So I flew out of the Ted Stephen International Airport many times. I would say probably upwards in the hundreds of times. And then this one time that we get to fly out of Ted Stevens International Airport to Kotzebue, we go to, um, we go to get to TSA and the TSA line is completely backed up all the way to the escalators and it's packed and we're in line like trying to figure out what's going on here. We're going to make our flight. I grabbed my camera. I grabbed these two. I took a selfie with all the people in there. And then as they were just sitting down here, God just showed me the picture of the overflow that is happening. And I was like, oh my goodness, we go from San Francisco where there's a lot of people. Now we're flying out of Anchorage where just this room is packed. And then we get to Kotzebue and we're going to get our baggage. And Kotzebue doesn't, it has a terminal, but it's not that big, but it was crowded there too. And we just, we just dealt with the crowds and we're just around all of these people. And everywhere we went, there was just an overflow of people. And, and then we got to Point Hope and we started this revival. We started this service on a Friday night. 
There was a great attendance on Friday night and Saturday night, and then we come into Sunday night, the grand finale of, uh, of what, what, when we're going to be there, but the, the guys are going to keep it going. But we get there, a village of 800 people. We had 140 people attend that place. The building, the building was packed. It was standing room only. There were some pews in the front that they were going to grab to, so that people can have seats. And so as they did that, I just started to think that well, there's an overflow going on. Earlier I had talked about the harvest and God has put some harvest on my heart. And we're talking earlier, we went into Point Hope with an expectancy of 100% salvations, all 800 people. And we're still believing that. We're still believing that there's going to be 100% um, salvations in, the, in that city and then out to the region. And as earlier as we're driving, we're just talking about what, what's going on, what's going on with this and that. We started talking about there's people being raised up. And like me, just a few years ago, I wasn't this person. You wouldn't catch me up here talking to you. But now I, I have the honor to coming up here and testifying a little bit about my life, just a little bit. But as I saw the harvest and I saw and I try to put all of these things together between Point Hope, Wasilla, Anchorage and, and California, it's just I, you, God just does what he wants. And when he does it, the harvest is ripe and the harvest is plenty. There's so many people I've never seen a hunger like these people before. I've grown up with these people in Point Hope, Alaska. A lot of you probably don't know my story, but I left Point Hope when I was 17 years old. As soon as I was, as soon as I graduated high school, I was gone. I went to college and, and, and I never went back. That was 23 years ago I left. I left Point Hope 23 years ago, and the first thing I did when I got up was there, God put upon my heart to, to apologize to the community for not coming back. I was this guy that everybody looked up to. I was a, a, an athlete in the snowmobile world um, that, that they really looked up to, but I, I didn't want nothing to do with that place. And then God just softened up my heart to an apology, and I apologized to the whole town. And in that weekend, we got to see so many people get set free, all kinds of stuff just happening. And it was just miracle testimonies after testimonies. But the one testimony that I really, really need to share, because this is the thing I always... So I run transformations in California. And uh, the ministry is, is, is just supernaturally just, just blowing up. But the one thing that I always tell people, what's that? Transformations is a ministry where we help anybody out with any kind of addictive behaviors, anybody that is going through it. I like to tell people this when I go out witness and let them know what this is, that hey man, it's anybody dealing with any kind of stuff. It doesn't have to be just drugs or alcohol or anything. The number one thing that takes people out is loneliness. Loneliness leads into drugs and alcohol and all this other stuff. And then you start to get on the internet and look at stuff you're not supposed to. Well, I, we, we go and we just, we, we held the people accountable. We have testimony once a month. We have people share. We break up into small groups. We let everybody talk so they can be heard. And it's just an amazing thing. We're seeing all kinds of stuff break through. But I always tell people this, that those small things that are in our life sometimes are the mountain that's holding us back because we don't think that those little things are good enough for God, that they're big enough for God when in all reality, that's the mountain that is holding us back. I saw a 17-year-old kid in Point Hope, Alaska, 
who was addicted to chewing tobacco and I had mentioned something about that and I, I, I was at the pulpit and I told and I told everybody that was the one thing I didn't think I was going to be able to give up I said this is the one thing I'm gonna probably gonna take to the grave with me I chewed tobacco for over 25 years this is something that was just common for me it's something I grew up with and uh, the next day his older brother said hey my little brother gave me this and he said he's done with chewing tobacco 17 years old and I looked at that and I said, you know, this might just be a small thing, just a small can of tobacco, but what's that small can of tobacco going to lead up to? And if that was broken right then and there, it was just, it was the most powerful thing that, that I, I witnessed and it was, it was surreal. But anyways, I just uh, wanted to share that with you guys and thank you guys for having me. So blessed to be here and uh, I'll just continue to, to just do what we can. The harvest is right. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to have to release a video of all that God has done. It's just been a whirlwind for us. And um, I really feel like I need to release a word to you. And um, God's going God's gonna to open up the heavens in just a moment. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, quickly to the book of Mark. Um, as Pastor Daniel says somewhere. Uh, Mark chapter 6. I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time. The, the story in Mark chapter 6 uh, starting down about verse 30 is the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000 with a couple of fish and a little bit of bread. Jesus does something there. He, he asked the disciples, what do we have? And the disciples say, we don't have anything. He's, they said, we don't even have enough money to go buy these people food, just send them home. He said, we've got to have something. What do we have? And, and the one disciple says, well, we have a, a, a young boy has his lunchbox. And Jesus says, then go get it. Hear me, church. The church has been waiting too long for God to do what he's called us to do. I'm telling you tonight, it's time to go get it. It is time to go get it. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. And God is waiting for a people. God will never do what you can do yourself. God does what you can't do, but he's waiting on you and your obedience. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. God is waiting for a people to rise up and go get it, to go get what he's given us. The disciples are in this moment. They, they go and they feed and they, they break the bread and they multiply it with 12 baskets. They, 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 they feed everybody on the hillside, 5,000 people. More than that, really, if you count everybody that was there with women and children. And then, if you scroll down a little bit further, it says that they go get in the boat. And again, this is a paraphrased version. You can read it for yourself. They go get in the boat, and Jesus comes to them. And the Bible says that he's on the shore, and they think he's a ghost. They look, and they go, who is that? 
And Jesus is speaking to them, but they don't know him. Even though they were just in revival with him, they don't know him. And many times... We are a church that has gone to a place where we need to understand that the ingredients for miracles are always in the midst and God says he can't multiply what we cannot see. We have to open up our eyes and understand that he's called us to go get it. See, the disciples knew the miracles that God did, but they didn't know the God of miracles. And we've become a church that believes that God can do miracles, but we don't know the God that performs them. And God is waiting for a people. I believe what happened in Point Hope, what has happened here. We have had the opportunity to come here a couple of times um, over the last couple of years and be a part of many different things. And I've seen the transformations of, of this church and, and it's, gonna, it's getting ready to transform again. Y'all need to step up your prayer game for Pastor Daniel. You all need to be in this fight with him and not just understand that God does miracles. Yes, he does. But we need to understand and know the God that performs them. God is waiting for us. The basket is in front of us. The miracle is in our midst. He's waiting for us to go get it. He's waiting for us to step out. As he asked Peter to step out on the water, Peter did what he said, but it was that moment that Peter had to do something. God is calling the church to action. He's calling the church to do something. You know what shifted point hope? It was action to take a flyer to every door in the village. It was the obedience. We could have sat there and said, well, God will bring them. God will bring them to our church. God will bring them to, I prayed and I fasted. No. God says, what do we have? Now go get it. Now go do it. We've been a church that sat on our hands for far too long, and I'm not trying to be mean. Listen, I'm trying to encourage you. I'm not trying to tell you. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to tell you that we serve a God that heals cancer, that removes tumors, that heals brain disease. We prayed for a lady today at the hospital. She's going to be healed in Jesus' name. I believe that there's a God. I don't just, I don't just believe that he does miracles. I know the God of miracles. And if you'll trust him, he'll do it for you. I feel like I need to pray for you, Pastor. I just feel like I need to pray for you. Pastor Daniel, this afternoon, you know when, oh my, there was a time, Pastor Daniel sometimes falls out and rolls around on the ground when he's with us sometimes. Do you remember the coffee shop? I remember. Yeah. And then today, he got to Tommy's parents' house and the power of God hit him. And God really showed me that, um, that the falling under the power of God was actually, he's given you supernatural rest God just showed me today as we were driving and I was listening to you and I, I, we, I was, you were behind me, but I was, I was hearing your voice. And, and every time you spoke, 
God just says, I'm sending him rest. I'm sending him supernatural rest. And there's been sleepless nights and there's been moments. And I know, I know, I know you carry a lot of weight and we've talked and I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about like you used to, I used to be able to sleep for six hours and feel good. And now I get up and I'm like, man, I'm still tired. What's happening? And, and God says that there, I, I, I saw this, a random picture. They make these, um, these um, things for the youth when they play a game. They're like uh, bubbles that they get into and they run into each other. Yeah, God says he's putting a protective bubble around you right now that the enemy has actually come in and tried to just like, just, just barely poke a little bit. And God says, I'm reinflating and I'm putting a new shield around you that your shield has been dented and it's been dinged up a little bit. But God says that I'm renewing your strength. I'm giving you new rest. And in this season, uh, I, you know, obviously we're praying for the church. We know that's going to happen. But God says for you personally, your health, your health, God says there has to be time when you rest. And it was just a word that I heard today in the truck that it, you need to rest. And that's, I can't say it loud enough, but God says, as you rest for one minute, I'll make it an hour, but you have to make time to rest. And I know you're a runner, you're a doer, and you're competitive and all those things, and that's great. And I love you, I, I love your heart. I, I pattern myself after you. You're a mentor and a role model to me, and you've taken me under your wing. And, and done all the things. But God says this season is not the season for you to run. I'm going to do the rest. You're going to rest. So do it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. God is asking you tonight to go get it. God will never do what you could do yourself. We do what we can. He does the rest. God didn't go get the basket for the disciples. He said, go get it and bring it to me. We can't be a church any longer that waits for the right moment. And I love the, I love the anticipation of this house. There's not, a, there's not a person in this room that doesn't believe that God can do it right now. Come on, all across this room, just lift your hands to heaven. God, we thank you tonight that you're the God that can and a God that will. Father, that you're moving in power. Father, now. There was a renewing of the strength of the staff of this house. And there has been a moment of time when it's just wanted to lay down and say, I quit. But for you too, daughter of the Most High, his hand has been upon you and it's a hand of favor. But in this season, God says you will run. There has been a shifting and a sifting and there has been some things that have not made sense to you over the last couple of months. And it's been prayers that you've prayed and haven't been answered and they've been waiting to come through and you've said, God, when, when, when? And God says, I know the time, I know the hour. You trust me. Don't serve me because I do it. 
I'll do it because you serve me. There has been a drastic cry of desperation wail, even for family. I just see a prayer journal opened up with, please God, please God, please God. And you have waited for this moment. And God says in the next six weeks, I'm bringing them home. I'm doing the thing that you never thought could be done. I'm answering the prayers. Hear my words. Heaven is opening tonight. I declare it now in the name of Jesus. No longer. God says, I'm expediting your request. Heaven is open. Let your request be known. Now is the time, says the Lord. Hallelujah, God, we worship you. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for the prayers and the intercessions that have been lifted. Father, now. God's going to begin to give you strategies, almost maps. It might not be the season for you to run out and do, but you're going to be able to point in a direction to go. He's actually... Pastor Daniel said today there were, you know, there's seers in the native people, many are seers. And God just shows me You've, you've sat on a lot of visions and you've prayed for them and you've done good, but it's time to say it. You actually have, Pastor Daniel, you told me a long time ago, you gave me an illustration of a padlock and you said, you know, you turn a couple one way and turn the other way and it's that last number. There is the combination in you that will unlock what's next God's given it to you he's even moving upon you now in power he's coming even at a greater measure there's a fire rising up from your belly even now that God says know this when I speak you speak that the fire of the living God, you're going to be like a spiritual roadmap to this house. You're going to point in the direction that's going to flow and go. You're going to move with the spirit. And God says, trust this one. Because she knows. In Jesus' name. Oh, God, I worship you one more hallelujah stand to your feet lift your hands to heaven it's an act of surrender there's been a process in you of surrender and it's been a moment of I won't say going through the motions but doing the thing it's caused you even times of missing out there's a season for you coming of learning and educating, and I don't know if you've been a part of the school or you're going to be, or but you're going to be one that's going to be used to launch 
throughout this state and even here in this house. I don't know what you do or where you're at, but God says there's a supernatural surrender that he's calling you to. The reason that I ask you to lift your hands is because in the time of war, when one opponent felt like he was losing the war, they would lift their hands and they would say, I surrender. And God just shows me tonight, mighty man of valor is what he called Gideon. It's your part of the remnant that's being pulled. You're part of the remnant that's being gathered. And God says, as you surrender your hopes, your plans, and your dreams, I'm going to move you to another level. There's a fire stirring. There's been questions in your mind, and it's, it's, it's kind of secret questions of like, like the theological things. Is it real? And God says, surrender it tonight and watch what I do. He's going to escalate you quickly. There's a new level of the Holy Ghost coming upon you. Fire of the living God now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet for a moment so I can bless you? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight for this incredible congregation who's believing for signs, wonders, miracles, and demonstrations of power. God, tonight that you would fall, that the heavens would open, and that we would fill your spirit. God, that we would be a church that goes and gets it. That we would knock on every door. We would shake every hand. We would hug every neck. And we would show people what Jesus looks like. But I thank you for the power that's in this house. Holy Spirit, do more. Prepare the way. The King is coming. The King is here. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you give you peace.